Welcome to Invest Stories, a podcast about real stories, real estate, and taking real action. Join hosts John Cooper and Kyle Robertson as they talk investing, mindset, and taking that first step. We all have a story. What's yours? The Invest Stories Podcast. Welcome to Tuesday Techers. I know it's a cliche name. Uh, Investories podcast is all about adding value, all about adding those digestible bits of content and information. And we're super excited to bring you part two of this interview. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please reach out to us anytime you have any questions or just want to connect or say hi or say we're doing really well or hey, you could even say we're not doing well, but please don't do that. Uh, Investories podcast at gmail.com and investories pod on your socials and we look forward to hearing from so you so in terms of um and work outside uh, without further estate, ado here's uh, so part two work, are you w2 employed or is it more i am a, a uh, gig or? no no okay. i'm i'm w2 employed um i'm actually uh, one of the assistant pastors at my church um i've been at this church as a member for about 20 years uh i came to san diego when i was 25 years old and uh found the church pretty quick ended up doing some other things before I came on staff in 2013. So I've been on staff uh, now for over 10 years on paid staff, and that's my calling. Uh, that's my W-2. Uh, a lot of people say that they're working to quit their job. Uh, I'm never going to do that. That's not my goal. My goal actually is to just do real estate on the side. Uh, I do enjoy it, uh, and uh, hopefully I will make uh, money uh, for my family, for the kingdom, uh, and it's been a great learning experience. But I'm I'm not trying to quit my job, and that's I don't I don't know too many people that are like that. Yeah, I'm I'm in that camp as well. I'm not immediately trying to quit my job. Maybe maybe five ten years when uh, when I'm in that position where I I feel like I can and I want the option to step away and, and do something else and, and sure. probably something with a with a focus on community in terms of managing that time then so I, I work from home I'm super lucky uh, I get to balance my own diary and uh, my own calendar and all that good stuff mm-hmm. in terms of managing your time how what does that look like how do you make time for real estate um, I would say that it just involves a lot of discipline which to be honest I struggle with. And so um, I didn't have good work-life balance before real estate. <laughs> um, and so when I threw real estate on top of it, and my wife and I have three kids, uh, now they're seven, five, and three. So we have a very young family. Uh, so there's a lot going on in our lives, and it's just kind of a continual struggle. Um, for right now, I'd say the snapshot of my real estate uh, life is that I devote about 10 to 12 hours a week on a good week to real estate uh, in certain windows and they just have to be scheduled and that's what I do in those windows and outside of those windows I don't do real estate and um, the only difference I would say is at the very beginning on uh, when you're acquiring a deal my first deal especially uh, you just kind of put in the work at all times you stay up late you get up early you do what you have to do to get the job done and now uh, after two syndications that are are still ongoing and looking to acquire a third, I realized that the only way to manage this and keep my sanity and keep my wife's sanity and do well uh, at my calling, which is ministry, um, I have to be disciplined with my schedule. And so the short answer is uh, you just have to decide how much time you're going to spend 
and make sure that those times are inviolable in your schedule. Absolutely. And I, I've, I've taken this year, my theme of this year is quality time. Mm-hmm. So like not just pockets of time, but pockets of time where I can focus Yes, and you know, an hour's focus rather than three hours of, Oh, I've got something else going on and then I've got to go and do this and all that stuff. Just, just carving out those pockets. I use, um, yes. I use Google sheets actually to just basically time block my day. And it's, it's been brilliant. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I've gone to a digital calendar in basically for the last year, and it's the only way I can keep track of all of my appointments and make sure that I schedule a proper time for asset management and acquisition and business development, lead generation, all that stuff. Amazing. So let's talk about that first uh, first deal you made. So w- what did that look like? Was it? I, I you know we've we've discussed it was slightly. Uh, terrifying or at least apprehensive um what did what did the kind of mechanics of the deal look like did you you put 20 down or 20 percent down or well let's uh let's talk philosophy for just a couple of seconds um it was terrifying and even halfway through the acquisition process with my mentor i don't know that i still i, I had believed in in multifamily and in syndication at that point um there was a part of me that I think still felt like this is too good to be true. This has got to be a, a scheme. I'm going to get, you know, lose my shirt on this deal. Um, and my, my mentor, we laugh about it now. I was, I was afraid of partnership. Uh, I would, I had no money, you know, my wife and I didn't have very much money to, to put down. We barely were able to put the risk capital together. Um, and so philosophically it was a, it was a big deal. Uh, now, now I look back, I'm like, man, what was I thinking? You know, but you don't know what you don't know. Um, the mechanics of the deal actually, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, I, we ended up putting 35% down. Um, so syndication, I'm not sure how much your audience knows about syndication, but basically we pooled together a large number of investors, um, to put that, put together the down payment, and any renovation costs, um, if it's not wrapped up into uh, the loan package and closing costs and, th- and things like that. And so uh, this was a $1.4 million deal and we put 35% down. That was the loan terms we got. So a little bit higher than, than normal, but it allows us to get a great interest rate and um, great uh, interest only payments for the first five years. Um, and then the rest of the money we raised from investors. And so me and my two, two of my other three partners, we each raised a quarter million dollars. Uh, my other partners actually raised about 300,000 a piece. And so we raised $845,000, uh, for a $1.4 million deal. And that was because it is an agency loan. So it wasn't a bridge loan and we couldn't package the renovation into the loan, we actually had to raise that money up front. And so, um, anything I'm missing that you're interested in? So the in? loan was 35%? Yes. Yeah. So was the loan 35? Okay. Got it. Great. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, like a typical residential loan, you could probably put down 20, 25%. Um, this is the commercial yep. world. And so it's a little bit different. Uh, the leverage is, um, not always as big, and if it is big, then you have to be very careful uh, what kind of loan you're getting into uh, because you could get into trouble. And 
And so we, we did it very safely. Uh, my mentor guided us in that. It's an agency loan, which means uh, this one was a Fannie Mae loan. And uh, the terms are really great. And we're still in that syndication today. And a lot of people are struggling in today's lending environment. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just coasting along. We've got another two and a half years of interest-only payments. Um, no reason for us to exit unless we find a great buyer or uh, some other some other opportunity. Yeah, and all the while building equity, right? On appreciation and I guess then saving saving the profits to uh, to reinvest if you need to. And uh, yeah, cash flows uh, well, and we've been doing investor distributions along the way. And so, uh, yeah, it's a, I say now it's a great little property. Back then it was a gigantic deal, uh, but now it's uh, a little bit on the small side. <laughs> It's that scale piece, right? Yeah. Once you've done a couple of those, then it's uh, it's smooth, right? In terms of the in terms of the return on investment or the or the kind of cash return, what did, what was that looking like, and kind of what's what does it look like today? It's been a while since I've looked at our original numbers, but we're still on track. Um, I think right. it was sixteen to twenty percent IRR, uh, which is internal rate of return, uh, which is basically your returns that have been adjusted for how much time uh, the deal takes. And we projected three to five years. Um, the cash on cash return uh, is 7% uh, averaged out. All of these are averages. And so the way a lot of syndications work is that you don't see a lot of money at the on the front side. The big payoff comes at the end when you exit the property and capitalize on the forced appreciation. Um, any cash along the way is great. Uh, but you really take your returns averages uh, at the end when you when you exit the property. So, so let, let's talk about that forced appreciation because uh, people listening might not know what that means. Is the, is there been a value add play to this uh, to the property, or is is there a, another way you're forcing appreciation? Hundred uh, percent, it's part of our business plan, and there are lots of. There are a hundred million ways to skin the cat in real estate and even in syndication. Uh, I prefer to go for uh, B or C class properties um, and preferably B um, that are value add, meaning that if you put in some work and probably some money, then you can raise the value of the property. And uh, for your your listeners, maybe they're real, you know, experienced in real estate, but you know, residential homes, they don't appreciate the same way that commercial does. Commercial is all about the income, about the bottom line, the net operating income. And so if you can increase your net operating income at a property by either raising the income or lowering the expenses, automatically you increase the value, the valuation of your property. And so, um, yeah, we we renovated units. We've renovated, I think, as many as we could. The other ones keep renewing at, at higher rates without us having to go in and renovate, which we appreciate. <laughs> uh, and that's just adding to the overall valuation of the property. I didn't ask you, what, what is the property? It's a, I, is it one building, multifamily? How many units? Uh, the, my first deal is 29 units. And so it was kind of a weird one. It was actually 28 apartments and one single family home right next door. And somehow it was all packaged together. Uh, so I just say 29 units and, um, yeah, it's in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, one of my favorite places, uh, my, all my, uh, activity, all my operations for now is in Augusta, Georgia. 
And did you, so one of the questions I always like to find out is, did you visit the property or did you do it all arm's length? No, I, I visited and uh, I visited during due diligence. And then I visited um, a few months after the property, uh, after we had closed on the property, just to make sure things were kind of going the right direction. And then um, maybe once a year, which is probably not enough, but once a year, one of the partners uh, will go visit the property. We're usually in town for for that or for other reasons. And all my partners I was say are, for golfing. Eh, yeah, I'm not a golfer, but uh, my partners do okay. enjoy golf. Um, yeah, one of my one of my partners, his email address is uh, Seven Iron Capital. That's his company, uh, and so he. <laughs> That's a great name. He's definitely a, uh, a golfer, but yeah, my one partner's in Houston area, one partner's in Minneapolis and another one in uh, Minneapolis area. And I'm here in San Diego, California. So, and we bought in Augusta, Georgia. So it's kind of a, a weird mix, uh, that brought us all together, but, uh, it's, it's worked great and I've really enjoyed the journey. So talk to me about how you found those partners. Yeah, we, we were all um, in the mentorship program uh, with Michael Block, and we all actually had the same coach or the same mentor. And uh, we didn't start out that way. Uh, when I was looking at this deal, I probably uh, reached out to three or four different individuals or groups to partner with. And um, my mentor kind of guided me in that process. And Towards the end, none of those worked out, and he said, you know what, i got a couple other students just like you um, that are looking to do their first deal. Uh, I think you would be a great fit, uh, just your uh, your attitudes and your personalities. Why don't we set up a Zoom call and meet and talk it through? And we met, and we were all eager to do it, and we didn't know much about each other, but uh, we said, you know what, this is a three, or f- three to five year partnership. Uh, if things don't work out so well, then... No worries, we don't have to partner again. Uh, but I've really enjoyed working with those guys: uh, Steve Chan, Seven Iron Capital, Justin Elliott with Elliott Multifamily, and then my mentor Drew Whitson with Endurance Capital. Amazing, and that that is a testament to finding your finding your people, finding your tribe, finding people that are interested and motivated and want to do similar things is really important. And big, like you said, bigger pockets is a great resource. Bernie and I met at a um, meetup, and that's another great place to go and meet like-minded people. I love in-person stuff. Um, we bought our we – we closed our first deal in the height of COVID, August of 2020. And uh, I really missed uh, local meetups and things like that. So I'm glad that that's starting to uh, you know increase again and uh, it's slowly, great to meet you. Slowly come back, yeah. <laughs> slowly, yeah. yeah. No, it's – it's so weird. It's like you meet people in person. I met I met a few people that I I know fairly well online. It's like, oh, you're mm. that tall. Okay, that's interesting. You know, that, that kind of <laughs> Sweet. thing. Um, in term, in terms of fundraising, what does that process look like? Can you talk me through that? Yes. Um, I don't know how deep to go, so I'll just kind of do the overview. Um. Basically, for syndications, you can raise a couple of ways. You can either advertise, and you have to be uh, authorized to do that uh, through your your SEC documents, or um, you can um, do what's called a 506B offering and privately approach people uh, one-on-one. And so I elected to go to the 506B, and a lot of people do. 
just because you can have accredited investors, but you can also reach out to up to 35 non-accredited investors. And um, as with most people, the first deal, capital raising, is really reaching out to friends and family, people you already know that are already in your network. Um, and a lot of people go on, they really try to build a platform or you know, do a website or do podcasts or do blogs or whatever. Um, and I've just really ended up, because of my time constraints and desires, <laughs> I have relied primarily on word of mouth. And my first deal, I had let's see, two, three friends uh, that invested with me and then my partners kind of had their own networks. And in my second deal, I had about 20 uh, people that were probably, I don't know how you say, indirectly reached uh, through the people in my first deal. And so uh, it was it's just organically growing um, and I'm satisfied with that for now. And uh, yeah, it's just, you just got to be willing to talk to people and um, find out if they're where they're at in, in their investment mindset and do a little bit of coaching, do a little bit of follow-up and, you know, stay consistent. Yeah. I, f I think that's really interesting because that's kind of where I see part of my real estate journey going. And I've been told, Oh yeah, you'd be really good at the fundraising. And it kind of asking people for money fills <laughs> me with terror. Is that, what's, what's, your, what's your tips for that? Well, uh, I'm not very good at that. I'm not a good salesman, period. And so uh, it's not really a good fit for me personally. doesn't mean that you can't learn to do it. Everybody can learn to do stuff. Um, I think the key, though, is really changing the mindset. And it's not asking people for money. It's providing people an opportunity to better their financial situation. And that, that is totally the truth. Um, to this day, I've got some, some family members that uh, seem to be somewhat resistant to investing with me. And I think it's because they don't, they think that they're going to uh, lose money or it's a Ponzi scheme or something like that. And I'm just telling them like, no, this is an opportunity for you to, let's just throw it out there, to, to double your money in three to five years. I get compensated for running the operation, yes. But we are all mutually going to benefit here. And so I think as you talk to people about investing, uh, it's not that you're trying to persuade them to do something against their will. Uh, we have a phrase in ministry. Uh, my boss, uh, my good friend and pastor says a lot. He says, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And you can't force people into doing something they don't want to do. Um, I think the key is helping them to understand that this is something they do want to do and could only benefit them. And the risks are actually very, very low uh, compared to many other types of investment. Multifamily syndication investment is a very safe, uh, very low risk investment with uh, high adjusted returns. Thank you for listening to this episode of Investories podcast. And uh, as you can imagine, we're super stoked with that content, amazing strategies, amazing techniques. Um, that we've really been able to dig into and uh, we're looking forward to bringing kind of the next phase of that which is really all about uh, the case study kind of real world examples and how you can do the same we're going to call it Wednesday Wins and we're going to tackle that on the next episode thank you for listening to the Investories podcast we all have a story what's yours the Investories podcast